dual-income no-kid couples, also known as dinks. We all know them, and at times we envy them. I just learned the phrase dink, which means double-income no-kids. And I was like, that sounds pretty lit. And then I heard the phrase... I got 10 hours of sleep last night. Do you know why I'm able to do that? Because I don't have children. Recently, I had a guy ask me if I wanted to like live that dink life. I'm like, absolutely. What's your second job gonna be? Here's our life as dinks in our early 30s. No shocker here, folks. Today we went to Costco. We don't have kids to feed, but we got lots of money to spend on goodies. Brian always checks out while I get a box, and then I sit here and look cute. Here's the haul, and our total was... Raising a kid from birth to when they turn 18 costs about $350,000. Outside of the money, having kids also eats up a whole lot of time. So what kind of lifestyle, career, housing, and financial choices are dual-income no-kid couples making? Welcome to Stress Test, a personal finance podcast for millennials and Gen Z. I'm Rob Carrick, personal finance columnist at The Globe and Mail. And I'm Roma Lizio, personal finance editor at The Globe. In the past, we've talked about the high cost of children, from childcare to fertility treatments. Now we'll shine the light on financial considerations for those who are child-free by choice or by circumstance. Rob, what are some of the major ways the lives of dinks are different once this big expense is off the table? Well, I think the biggest difference is they do not have what is turning out to be a lifelong commitment to uh, supporting and helping your kids. I mean, the cost of parenting starts off with, uh, you know, getting all the equipment you need to have a baby, and then there's daycare, and then there's activities, and then there's university, and then there's um, this emerging aspect of parenting, helping your adult kids, helping them with rent, helping them with groceries, helping them buy a house, helping them with daycare, helping them with summer camp fees. It's, it's turning into almost a lifelong commitment. Um, what are your thoughts? I'm going to also do a shout out for the cost of feeding teenagers being a major crippling expense. <laughs> One of the things that strikes me is that without kids, you have so much more flexibility. You can plan to live in homes that are not close to a good daycare or school. You don't have to worry about uprooting kids from their friends and activities. You can choose to not own a home, to be a renter. You can choose to buy place somewhere that you like. You can choose to take that money that would have gone towards saving for college and university and put it perhaps towards working less or working harder. So it really seems to boil down to a whole lot more choices. Yeah, I think we we don't want to say that people without kids are automatically well off or or affluent, but they do have more money than people with kids. You know what? They also have more predictability. They're not going to face like soaring daycare costs. They're not going to uh, find out their kid wants to play hockey with all the costs of that. They're not going to find out their kid wants to not only go away to university, but they want to go to a university in another country or another continent. And you think, how can we help them with that? So I, I think there's it, it provides more money, more flexibility and more pre- predictability. The thing that really stands out to me um, is how much more agency you would have as a woman. Uh, I know that a lot of dads and parents are stepping up in ways they never have before, but we know that women do tend to still carry the bulk of the parenting responsibility and that it's women whose careers tend to suffer when they have kids for a lot of reasons. So imagine having that taken off your plate. You can choose as a woman to work very hard, to climb that career ladder, to focus on making money, or you could choose to work less hard and pursue something that's your passion that might not be as well paid. But whatever the uh, choice you make, the reality is that you would have that choice. Now, Rob, there's also repercussions for things like estate planning, uh, for the way that you set yourself up longer term. What are some of those? 
Well, I think a lot of parents expect that as they age and need more help, that their kids will provide that help. And that when they need someone to take on power of attorney for health and for financial decisions, their kids will be that person. And when they need someone to execute their will, their kids will take that on. And of course, it has to be pointed out that there are ways around not having a child to be your executor, have your powers of attorney. There are corporate executors, divisions at big banks. If you have a pretty uh, sizable estate, um, I think that would be a great option for you. After the break, we'll hear from one woman who chose the Dink lifestyle in large part because of the money. My name is Malika. My age is 36 uh, and I live in Etobicoke, Ontario. Malika is a creative director at an investment firm. Her husband is a mechanical engineer turned entrepreneur. They've been together for about seven years. When me and my husband started dating, I knew that I did not want to have children. And uh, where he came from, it wasn't a question that you asked. It's a thing that you do. Like, it's just, yeah, people get married and they have kids. And there was no sort of like second thought about it. Um, But when we started dating, it was important for me that whoever uh, my partner is, they are on the same page and we talked about it. And I kind of asked him a question. I said, why do you really want to have kids? And his answer was because that's what you do. And that answer wasn't good enough. Um, And we had longer conversations about it. And we both agreed that we don't see ourselves having children in our lives. Malika has always felt like her life was fulfilled without kids. And she doesn't want to change her lifestyle. I remember people telling me this, that, oh, your motherly instinct is going to kick in. Oh, like something's going to happen. There is going to be a switch that'll flip. And then that'll be the time that you would really want to have kids. And I kept waiting for that switch to flip, but it really never happened. Weirdly or um, thankfully enough, it didn't happen for my husband either. That's in part because they decided to focus their time and money on their careers. Malika feels that would have been more difficult if they had kids. I think the first thing would be my husband starting his own business and becoming an entrepreneur would have been quite impossible because um, when you become an entrepreneur, there is a whole lot of uncertainty of like, the finances where you'll end up in life. And I think because we weren't planning to have kids, he could make that leap of faith and um, he could do what he wanted to do and he could feel fulfilled in his career. And I think um, similarly for me, I put in a lot of time in my job, in my work, and I don't think I would have been able to do that had there been a child in the picture or like if you were planning to have a child then you have to plan for the whole mad leave and then that one year in your career like that kind of sets you back and I don't think I wanted that. Being child-free also enabled them to buy a second home in Europe. We decided that we wanted to retire in Portugal after a whole bunch of deliberation that where do we see ourselves as older people and we thought that Portugal is the place we want to be in and we bought a retirement home there And I don't think that that would have been possible had there been a child because it needed a lot of financial resources to be pulled in together to kind of invest in that property. Um, And it's, it was us saving up for our future. And um, as you know, the time real estate only gets more expensive as time passes. So I think if we would have pushed that because, or if there was a child in the picture, then that would have been kind of more difficult for us to achieve. 
Now, most people in their mid-30s aren't buying retirement homes, but the rest of Malika and her husband's expenses are more relatable. So me and my husband are very different when it comes to our spending habits. He does not like eating out too much. He does not like going to concerts. He likes to, his business is his lifestyle, I guess. And he loves to invest whatever back into his business, whatever he makes. Me, on the other hand, I love going out with friends. I like um, trying new restaurants. I love going to concerts. The one common factor between me and my husband We love to travel and we love to explore places and that requires a certain amount of finances and funds. We allocate it each year towards that. The pair devotes a lot of time to financial planning. I I love the fact that both of us, uh, we talk about our yearly goals. Like we sit down and we figure out what our yearly goals are financially. And um, we are an interesting couple in in a sense that we don't share our finances. We both have our personal bank accounts and we kind of have a splitwise account and we put everything in there, whatever we, whoever spends, and then everything is 50-50. It just helps us track our finances And we have a thing where we, let's say I can afford something and my husband doesn't, or like the other way around, we just don't do it. Um, We have an understanding. Um, So we actually sat down um, a month ago and with the interest rates being as high as they are and our property here, our current residence in Adobico, it's coming, the interest is coming up for renewal. We had a Thankfully, we had a fixed interest rate up till now, but next year we're going to be up for renewal. And we know that it's going to cause a major dent in our um, savings. So we've we've decided we're going to save up a whole bunch by next year and pay off uh, a chunk of this mortgage so that we are a little bit stress-free. And I think longer term, um, eventually we would want to be mortgage-free in about eight to seven years, fingers crossed. Uh, for for at least one property, like we want to um, not be in the situation where we're paying mortgage for two properties. Yeah. While interest rates are a worry, Malika isn't concerned about the common question faced by many dinks: who will care for them when they age? These are a lot of things that people tell us or ask us. Hey, you you know uh, your children's gonna are gonna take care of you when you grow older, so you don't always have to think about the fact that you're spending. It's almost like an investment. And both me and my husband kind of feel that you shouldn't be having a child thinking that they're going to take care of you. Like having a child is your decision and you it is not guaranteed that they will do well enough in life so that they can support you when you're older. And that shouldn't that shouldn't be an expectation from children that just fundamentally doesn't work for us. And what both of us bank on is what we can control and what's known. So we are taking calculated steps, making sure we have a home to stay when we are older. Um, The kind of house we bought, it's actually a single floor house. It doesn't have any stairs, uh, considering inflation, considering the cost of living. And uh, and I also know that people live for longer now. So you have to be prepared for a lot of things. But we are hoping that we've covered our bases as much as we can um, and not banking on a future imaginary being to help support us when we are older. Our next guest may not be a big spender, but she chose the Dink lifestyle because of the financial and lifestyle freedom that comes with it. Hi, I'm Sarah. I live in Toronto and I'm 37 years old. When Sarah was younger, she assumed she'd have kids, but she and her husband had extensive discussions about whether to have children before deciding to opt out. Do we really want to, I hesitate to use the word 
the phrase mess up, but like we've got a good thing going. Do we really want to upend the kind of the rhythm of our lives, right? We have a choice in this matter. The kid doesn't. So we ought to be really, really, really sure. I really like our lives now as it is. I think I'd rather regret not having a kid than regret having a kid. So to make a long story short, really, it was the financial circumstances. We took a hard look at, you know, what are our goals for the next 10, 20, 30 years? Do we want to still be paying off a mortgage? And, you know, if we had a kid or more, how are we going to afford that? We still want to travel. We still have things that we want to do outside of just work. You need to look at what you value and where do you want to see yourself? How do you position yourself in such a way that your chances of being happy with your circumstances are going to be maximized and keeping your options open? I think it's hard to kind of balance all of that. Sometimes they're at crosswinds. Well, Sarah and her husband earned just over six figures. 100000 sounds like a lot, and it is a lot, especially compared to people who are making the average salary in Canada. But um, if you're providing support, financial support for family members, whether they're parents, grandparents, or if you have kids, 100000 you know, per person in a couple doesn't go quite as far as you probably think it would or should. We don't have an extravagant lifestyle. So really, when I had that 100000 annual salary kind of as that stretch goal, it was to have a secure life financially and also be able to plan ahead um, and have choices and choices that would hopefully be a bit of fun at least, but would provide me with the opportunity to live as I wanted, not have to make choices because I needed to balance a budget or try to make ends meet one way or another. Sarah provides financial support of about $2,000 per month to older generations of her family. Even though she seems happy to do it, it has shaped her views on those who bank on their children's help as they age. I don't think it's fair to expect the younger generation to bend over backwards sometimes to accommodate the older generation. It's great if they can and want to help out and do. So to the folks who say, oh, who'll look after you, who'll visit you, who will support you, you know, socially, financially, or otherwise, who's going to lend an ear or shoulder? Um, The question I ask is like, why are you relying only on family? Families are getting smaller and smaller and have been for quite some time. It's not like you have half a dozen siblings to spread the load around. For Sarah, deciding to remain child-free has meant flexibility and freedom. So where does her extra cash go? The fun stuff would be eating out. Toronto is such a wonderful culinary landscape, Um, not just in downtown Toronto or Midtown, but when you venture further afield, there is... Such a variety of gems in your local plazas and things like that and swapping uh, tips of like where to find the best biryani or the roti. Part of the thrill is the hunt. You know, you find something and it's not crowded to the rafters, get to meet up with friends. It's that social aspect. So some other things that are discretionary, but to me, 
really isn't is uh, memberships for the ROM and HQO going to um, the Toronto Symphony Orchestra. They have uh, rush tickets for anyone who's like downtown proper. They're an amazing deal. We definitely would have more flexibility doing like quick trips, you know, spur of the moment type of things. We've been to the UK, uh, New Zealand, Southeast Asia, kind of hopscotch through a couple of countries there, down to the Caribbean and the States more for like work, but it's nice to be able to add a couple of days on here and there. I would love to continue traveling um, and traveling further afield. I would love to possibly retire early. What I'm really looking forward to is being able to have that freedom to choose to work in whatever capacity, you know, whether it's seasonal, not having the child means I don't have to look after and put someone else's best interests and needs ahead of mine. That's just like my orientation. If I had to, or if I had a child, like that would take precedence. So it's kind of freeing. Deciding to be dinks isn't something that Sarah and her husband took lightly. But over time, they've become more comfortable with being the cool aunt and uncle. I have friends who are parents, and that is not their sole identity, but it brings them so much contentment. And sometimes it's a question of like, is it selfish to want to continue investing in myself? Or is that actually the more responsible thing to do? I've been told many, many times, oh, you know, you make such a great mom. And it reminds me of something my friend said, just because I'm a good cook doesn't mean I want to run a restaurant. After the break, we hear from a financial planner about how to manage your finances if kids aren't in the picture. Jay Zygmunt is the founder of Child Free Wealth, a financial planning firm that serves people who don't have children. He's based in the U.S., in Mississippi. Jay, your financial planning firm specializes in people that are child-free. Why do you think child-free couples need a financial plan that's specific to their needs? The reality check is being child-free or permanently childless changes just about everything about your financial plan. The way I look at it is you first have to plan for your life, then your finances. For example, child-free folks don't want to pass on money to the next generation. Retirement may not be as much of a priority. Life insurance is as big a priority. It starts changing everything as you go down the list. My wife and I are child-free, and I started researching this because in the certified financial planner literature, there's no mention whatsoever of being child-free. So my mm. real look at this was, really, are me and my wife weird, or are there others out there? Turns out there's a lot of us, but the financial literature just assumes everybody has kids and is going to have kids. For those who are choosing the child-free lifestyle, what are the most common reasons? Yeah, I asked this in a study I did. I want to dive into why people choose to be child-free. And the interesting thing was most people had more than one answer. The top reason was actually just they never wanted kids, you know, mm -hmm. something like 38%. But then it goes into interesting things like 30% said finances, 27% mm -hmm. said uh, freedom or environmental concerns, medical concerns, not wanting to pass on generational trauma, these huge reasons. And what we're seeing is more people going, huh, it's something I can choose to have or not to have versus it's just a default choice that I must do. 
Mm-hmm. When you said that 30% cited financial reasons, what were some of the financial reasons they cited? There's an interesting uh, area of this research, and I don't have great data that, to back it up, but there was a lot of people talk about coming up poor, you know, and seeing their parents struggling and saying, hey, I don't want to do that to someone else. And there's, that's not exactly like financing a, I, I want to make less money, more money, but it's more this quality of life. And then we also mm-hmm. can get to the discussion. You, you all just published a study looking at it. It's like $20,000 a year to have kids. It is just expensive. Mm-hmm. You know, I think, you know, when you look at housing costs and uh, wages nowadays, it's tough to have kids. Okay. So tell me about what uh, the financial life and the lifestyle is of a couple that does not have children. The way we say it is living a life of child-free wealth means you have time, money, and freedom to do what you enjoy. That doesn't make you automatically rich. So that's just one of those things to, to throw out there. It's not like there's like checks that come from the sky when you choose not to have kids. The uh, income disparities are still there. But what happens for couples is they start being able to embrace different things. For example, we have a concept we call the gardener and the rose, where one person's growing and the other one's providing support. My wife and I happen to uh, embrace this. And recently she got a great job offer and we moved 1,200 miles away for her job. And it was no big deal. We loaded up the dog, the cat, and went. That's a level of flexibility that you won't see in parents. I'd love for you to give our listeners some sense of what a child-free couple would plan to do with their money and their time and their freedom, how that might look different from a couple who is forced to make certain decisions because they're also planning for other human beings. Absolutely. So there's two parts of this that are most common. One, a lot of child-free folks embrace what we call die with zero. So they're trying to have their last check bounce, proverbially. And they're trying to invest in themselves in their life. And that investment takes a lot of different tracks. Like, for example, I have a couple where somebody quit their job, took six months of sabbatical, now is becoming an author and writing books. They're investing in themselves and what they want to do, which is a different path where we even have the discussions about investing in themselves versus investing in the stock market. And sometimes the answer is go back to school, have fun, do what you enjoy, even though it's not the best financial answer. What about lifestyle? What kind of spending or lifestyle decisions that you see that are different outside of career and saving and investing? I think the biggest one you'll see is the nomadic, hey, I want to live in different areas. For example, uh, the editor for my next book, her and her dog live in an Airbnb for a month at a time in different locations all across the country. And every time I talk to her, she's somewhere different. And that's somewhat the norm, whether it's got van life or living internationally or whatever it is, it is just a you know point where you can say, hey, I'm going to pick up my dog and go. Mm-hmm. One thing that stands out for me as a working parent is how much time this would free up towards building a career, especially for the woman. It would equal more career continuity. You wouldn't have to take time off to give birth, less interruptions, you know, for things like sick days, more possibilities for advancement. It strikes me that a woman would have so much more agency over her life. And is that something you hear about from child-free couples? They do have more flexibility, but here's the, the inverse of that. So the Society of Human Resource Management found that child-free folks are often expected to cover vacations or holidays or expected to work extra hours because they don't have kids at home. So it actually becomes an issue of equity and saying, hey, you have a choice to do different things with your career, but you shouldn't be forced to just because you don't have kids at home. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, it would also make you more available to work things like overtime and put in those kind of hours that are expected to get into more senior positions. It does make the time available, but I want to caution just because you are child free doesn't mean you have to climb the career ladder. 
So that's part of the discussion we have with our clients. We call it the dimmer switch for work and find the right amount of work at the right level that you enjoy because child-free folks aren't trying to drive up their net worth to pass on to intergenerational wealth. So climbing that corporate ladder may not be as important to the point where we talk about it and saying, hey, what job would you do for free? And you should just get paid for it. So it's not always about, hey, I'm child-free. I need to achieve more. I can you know, focus on what brings me joy and get rid of things that don't. So freedom seems to be a big theme. Let's talk a bit about the financial freedom because that is a uh, part of the equation. Exactly how much money do you estimate that a couple can save or do you see with the couples that you work with? How much money are they saving by making this kind of a choice or having that choice thrust upon them? Yeah, so the public stats are somewhere around $300,000 to raise a kid for 17 years. But that doesn't mean they're saving it. You know, they, they, are, they have a different approach to finances because if you have that expense of kids, you have to earn that amount. The interesting part about the data, the data says net worth-wise, child-free folks don't have a higher net worth than the general population. You know, it's, it's close. It might be within $1,000, a couple thousand dollars of others. So if you're seeing, hey, they don't have the higher net worth, that means they don't necessarily have higher savings. There's a little lower rates of debt in child-free folks, but it's not like, hey, um, it completely changes our numbers because your life changes to go with it. Are there any investing themes that you see that are specific to um, couples without kids? I think from an investing standpoint, what changes is the goal is not to have the most amount of money at the end. So for example, a lot of the financial planning software that does what they call Monte Carlo simulations, which are all trying to push you to not running out of money. Well, that's the inverse of the way child-free folks want to do it. So we can actually make different choices with our money. You know, the way I say it is we try to keep your finances boring so your life can be amazing. Jay, are there any expenses that child-free couples tend to incur that uh, couples with kids don't? Yeah, the most obvious one is going to be the planning for long-term care and paying somebody to be that executor or power of attorney for you and some of those costs. You know, a lot of people expect their kids to do it. I think the flip side of that is parents, hey, having a kid doesn't automatically check those boxes for you. And just because you have a kid doesn't mean your, your long-term care is paid for or they're going to be your executor. We're just more aware of it and it's part of our plan. What about disability and life insurance? Yeah, life insurance is one of those. Where everybody says you need 10 to 12 times your income in life insurance. Not if you're child-free. For the child-free folks, unless you have like some big debt that's got to be covered or a business concern, you could probably skip life insurance. But disability insurance becomes much bigger because you don't have a next generation to rely on. What's the single most important piece of advice you'd give to a couple without kids? If you're looking at your finances and you're working with a financial planner, investment advisor, or whatever, ask them how your financial plan is different because you're child-free. If they say it's not different, you need to walk away and find somebody else. If on the other hand, they say, oh, you'll change your mind, you still need to walk away. You need to find somebody that understands you in your life. It's okay if they say, hey, I don't know if it's different or we'll figure that out. But you need to get advice that fits you because most, nearly all financial advice assumes kids are part of the picture. No matter why you don't have kids, it's a reality that changes your finances. You'll have more freedom, flexibility, and discretionary income. It's an advantage you don't want to waste by simply spending more money. Rob, what are your takeaways? One, not having kids gives you more work freedom. You can prioritize your career, move around a lot, or take meaningful work that pays less. Two, go easy on insurance. With no kids as dependents, you don't need as much coverage. 
And three, aging will be complicated. With no kids, you may need to pay for help around the house as you age. Also, you'll need to find people to take on power of attorney for health in your finances and execute your will. Thank you for listening to Stress Test. This show was produced by Kyle Fulton, Anna Stafford, and Emily Jackson. Our executive producer is Alicia Sawney. Thank you to Sarah, Malika, and Jay for speaking with us. You can find Stress Test wherever you listen to podcasts. If you like this episode, please give us a five-star rating and share it with your friends. Next week on Stress Test, more homeowners are struggling to make their mortgage payments. Soaring interest rates have doubled or even tripled those payments. We'll dig into how tough it is for new homeowners and how people are coping. Until then, find us at theglobamail.com. Thanks for listening.